Welcome to Social Justice Matters, a podcast from Social Justice Ireland. My name is Colette Bennett and I'm Economic and Social Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. As regular listeners will know by now, we release three different types of podcasts. Our SJI 10-minute lesson series aims to educate and inform listeners on a particular area of policy, giving a brief overview of somewhere in the range of 8 to 15 minutes and hitting on the key points that people need to know. Our SJI interview series, where we chat to experts on a range of different policy areas, and our seminar series, which provides opportunities to listen back to some of the most important presentations at our past events. This is one of those. The 23rd of June is World Public Service Day. To mark this occasion, we're going to take a listen to Dr. Theresa Reedy of UCC, speaking at our 2018 Annual Social Policy Conference. In her presentation, Dr. Reedy speaks of one of the most significant anomalies in the Irish system of governance, the centralisation of power and decision-making at national government level. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you very much for the invitation to be here today. I'm going to take you back uh, to kind of public policy, um, and in particular to a, a poor relation of public policy in Ireland, which is basically this talk is going to be about local government or the lack thereof in the, uh, in the Republic of Ireland. And... The main thing I, I want to say in the kind of takeaway message is that Ireland is odd. We are extremely unusual in how concentrated power is at the centre of, uh, of politics. All kinds of policy decisions in relation to health, education, uh, public transport are taken at local level in other countries and almost everything that we do in relation to public policy in Ireland is actually decided at, at central government. Uh, and that really makes us weird um, in European terms. And the even stranger thing is that we never talk about this. We spend a lot of time talking about our electoral system and how we could tweak that and fix that and it would fix something else. And we talk a lot about our public transparency and accountability and all kinds of other mechanisms, but actually the kind of elephant in the room in terms of our governance system and how it compares to other European countries is how centralised we actually are. And that's more centralised than other small European countries. So we often think, well, you know, what about Luxembourg? What about, you know, Cyprus? What about Belgium? Well, we're actually more centralised than pretty much all of those, uh, all of those countries. And I, I want to start off with a chart here taken from a report uh, on um, governance arrangements uh, produced for the European Commission in, in 2015. And it's, it's very easy. This is us here in the end. And this is an uh, index of, of local autonomy. So how much power do uh, local authorities have to actually act on behalf of their citizens and to implement services on behalf of their citizens. And that's us there, laggardy last, right at the very bottom. Uh, and the other thing to say is, in relation to this report, it, shows quite clearly that actually Ireland has gotten worse in the last number of uh, years. So decisions that we actually took during the course of the uh, crisis actually made things worse. Between 1990 and 2014, actually local autonomy improved in a lot of other European countries, but we went in the other direction. We went from, okay, third last, uh, but third last to actually last uh, in terms of what you can do uh, at local level in, in Ireland. Just to put a bit of flesh on that, what are we really talking about when we talk about kind of local governments uh, and, and kind of local autonomy arrangements? We're talking about uh, where the levels at which we have elected governance in Ireland. So where and who do we elect? How many of those structures do they have? 
what kind of powers do they have? What kind of legal protections do they have? And how much money they have? And, and that's really, money is the crucial thing because you're just, policy without resources is actually dreaming. Uh, it's not going, uh, going anywhere. And I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of one, two, and three here. Uh, there isn't much to say about the relationship between central government and local government in Ireland other than local government does what it's told, uh, and that pretty much captures uh, the whole relationship. When we talk about layers of governance, there's, there's multiple layers of governance, and particularly in Europe, we're, we're used to this idea of decisions being taken at several different layers. So the, the one that we hear about all day, every day, uh, on, on the radio, on the TV, is, is central government. So the national government sits in the capital and they take, uh, they take decisions. Uh, we're all reasonably familiar with the European Union as a kind of a layer of governance above. Um, what we're a lot less familiar with in Ireland is the idea of layers of governance below and actual real decision-making being taken uh, at, layers, uh, at layers below. Uh, in Ireland, regional government, um, which probably in our case would be probably provincial government if you were going to design it in a kind of a, a, a serious or thought out way, uh, is pretty much non-existent. We set up regional governance structures um, in the 1990s in response to uh, decisions taken at the European level, and most of it had to do with uh, bringing uh, European funding into Ireland. So this is what regional government looks like in Ireland, partly because we want more moolah from Europe, so we want regional government. We designed it in such a way so that we could actually attract in more money. So we carved up the country and the regions in such a way uh, that we could kind of claim greater social disadvantage so that we could get more money. But we don't really have any um, uh, realistic uh, or reasonable tier of regional governments. Local government is more interesting because we actually have a long history of local government in Ireland, a history of local decision making going back a thousand years. Um, in the 19th century, local government really took on more structured form, particularly around the time that they were making more serious reforms of local structures in the UK, and, and there is a, a rollover from, uh, from Britain. But Upon independence, there was actually a reasonable structure of local administration in existence in Ireland. We had county councils, we had county borough councils, which then became known as corporations, which then became known as city councils. And there's a, a message to this. We had some borough councils, and the borough councils became urban district councils. We had lots of town commissions, then they became town councils. And we had rural councils, which were the first to go. We got rid of those in 1925. Uh, but the main story of local government structures in Ireland is that we spent the last 100 years fiddling and finicking and changing them. but mostly abolishing them. So we went from a situation where there were several hundred councils in the country, lots of layers of uh, decision making, to now actually having 31 local authorities. Uh, so local structures are, are, are really an endangered species in the Republic of, of Ireland, because the main approach we take to them is actually abolishing them uh, and rationalizing what it, is that we, uh, what it is that they do. In 2014, um, an entire tier of local government town councils were actually abolished and taken out of the, the system. And there's a comparative European report which was done which shows that Ireland has 
what we call the, the territorial upscaling, so uh, in terms of increasing the size of, of local districts um, and reducing the powers they have, we had the second highest territorial upscaling in Europe in the last 30 years. Um, and we do this, uh, it's very similar to some of the things that people were saying earlier this morning, we do this without any, without any discussion, we do this without any debate, we do it without any sense that it has impacts in the way in which decisions are made, and particularly uh, without any reference to the fact that it's taking out local knowledge and local voice uh, from key, uh, key aspects of decision making. One of the things that did happen in 2014 is that public participation networks were established, and those were mentioned as well earlier this morning, and this was an, an attempt to bring back in um, more, more diverse voices, but it, it, it was done in it's probably part of the reforms that were, were successful, but in a way it, it was kind of taking, it was bringing voices in, but ignoring the fact that taking out a whole layer of local authorities was actually unbalancing the, the, the scales quite, uh, quite significantly. Now, it could be just the fact that in Ireland we're maybe more efficient, that we don't need local government. Maybe the system runs really, really well and we don't actually need these, uh, these local authorities. Um, but I just want to kind of put us in a bit of a comparative context to kind of understand a little bit about what it is, um, the way, how it is that we structure our local authorities and what it is that we expect our local authorities to, to, to do. Um, and just in terms of the number of local authorities here, I've put in a couple of different countries, uh, but in particular I've put in a couple of other small European countries, countries that are kind of like us. Um, Belgium, Denmark, Finland, small, um, relatively wealthy, um, old democracies uh, and you can see how quite different we are in terms of the number of local authorities that we have but also in terms of the average population per authority. Uh, so in, in Denmark you have about 55,000 people living in each local authority area. It's much smaller in Finland, 15,500. In Germany uh, those, those visions of, of inefficiency and waste of money, they have actually 6,500 people per local authority. So we never hear about the structures of local governance, we never hear about the way in which public or local democracy and relationships between kind of citizens and, and public representatives uh, work at, at local level. In Ireland it's, it's 140,000 uh, per, uh, per local authority unit and we only have 31 local authorities. So it's, it's really just to kind of reinforce this point that we are odd in comparison to our European neighbours and, and this really does actually kind of set us uh, set us apart uh, and in particular that each councillor is actually serving a large cohort of, uh, of the public. And somebody made reference, I think it was Paddy Cosgrave this morning, talked about how there's a perception of councillors and, and TDs uh, you know, being very engaged in their local communities and, and that, that's, not necessarily, uh, that's not necessarily the case. Well, the, the evidence is a bit mixed on that, but, but one thing we can say is if you look at the ratio of public representative to citizens, it's just not possible for public representatives to engage and that kind of service to their constituents because the scale is just impossible. It's, it's far out of sync with most of our, uh, most of our, our European uh, neighbours. And remember that our councillors are part-time. Uh, they're not paid a salary, they get a small stipend uh, for, the work, uh, for the work that they do and they're expected to carry a very heavy, uh, heavy caseload. So at the end of, of kind of a number of years of reform, particularly since the economic crisis, where are we left? We have fewer councils, 
we have fewer councillors, we have a far greater ratio of citizens to representatives than they do in any of our European uh, and any of our European neighbours. So as citizens, we have far less voice and far less opportunity to actually influence decisions that are taken at, uh, at local uh, level. The, the next thing I just want to kind of say a little bit about is in terms of what do local authorities do. So we're, we're odd in terms of the number of councils, the relationships with the councillors, but we're also really strange as well in, in terms of how limited local authorities are um, in, in the kind of financial decision and financial structures uh, that are in place. Here we're fortunate enough that kind of Malta are worse than us, but what this table actually shows you is this is the percentage of revenue that's actually raised by different layers of government. So how much taxes uh, are raised by central government and what proportion of taxes are raised by regional government and what proportion of taxes are raised by local uh, local government and that's us there second from the second from the bottom and um, basically local authorities in Ireland have very little capacity to raise revenue of their own and there are consequences of that it means they are very much dependent on local or on national government for the kinds of services that they can engage in they have to be allocated money from the centre. If they don't have their autonomous, their own autonomous taxing powers, they have much less capacity to actually do things. Um, and it means that, that there's that imbalance. Everything is decided at the, the centre. And the same thing you can see here in relation to spending. Um, I, this graph is organised slightly differently, but again, actually, in this one, Malta is the only country that's actually worse than us. And you can see that the, the dark pink part of the bar is actually the spending by central. Um, central government and the purple part is the spending by local government. And just compare us to any of the other European countries, most of the spending in some of those countries is actually done by local government and not by, uh, my, not by national government. So we are very, very un unusual uh, in that. I'll just skip this one to kind of move, uh, move along quickly. This is a table and the first thing I want to start with is the column on the left-hand side there. Those are the main categories of things that actually local authorities spend money on in, in Ireland. So some of them you'll be reasonably familiar with, housing and building, um, road transport, uh, water services, um, recreational amenity, um, agriculture, education, health and, and welfare. The, the second column shows us that between 2005 and 2014, actually there was a big increase in spending under most of these categories, but remember now this covers the boom and most of the, uh, most of the bust. Uh, but what we can see is that in some particular categories there's been sharp falls in spending, and I particularly want to draw your attention there to health and education. A lot of things that used to be done at a local level are no longer done at local level because there's actually a strong centralising mentality um, that's evident in policy making in, in Ireland. So when problems emerge at local level, uh, the, the kind of impetus tends to be to centralise the service and deliver it at national level rather than actually looking at ways in which services can be delivered more efficiently uh, at, uh, at local level. Um, so kind of they're just like a couple of things the amounts within these categories are relatively small and they're declining in several areas and just a kind of an odd point of which is totally separate but I work in public finances as well only in Ireland would you have a 90% increase under the miscellaneous category you know which is otherwise known as we were too busy to actually fill out the forms properly and nobody even did anything about it 
Um, this is, is just going back to the same categories, but just to make a couple of points uh, that more, more recent years, very specific um, items have actually been taken away from local government in Ireland. Water services and Irish water is a debacle that we don't really need to go into. But I think the two that are really important here are health and education, because these actually account for the major um, amounts of spending in, in most other European countries, and in Ireland too. Uh, but in most other European countries, actually a large proportion of that spending is actually taken, the decisions are actually taken at local level. And just to give examples of that, that means that the funding of and local primary schools, uh, where the local primary schools get built, the construction of them, the maintenance of them, the hiring of the teachers, the same in relation to uh, primary health care, where the GP surgery is going to be built, hiring the doctors, paying the doctors, all of those decisions are actually taken and maintained at local level in other European, uh, in other European European countries. And if you take a kind of a step back, there's a degree of, of rationale and uh, integration of thought behind that because local authorities are also responsible for deciding where we all get to live, uh, where the house is going, where the new housing development's going in, where the population needs going to be, what are those population needs likely to look like. That knowledge exists at local level. So there's a huge amount of sense and rationale behind having that kind of decision making integrated uh, and put together in other in other countries. In Ireland, we've gone in exactly the opposite direction. We established the Health Services Executive in 2005 to deliver more efficient healthcare uh, in, uh, in Ireland. Uh, Susie came up a moment ago in relation to the third level, uh, third level grants. Those used to be administered by local authorities. They were doing a really bad job of it. Uh, you know, they have to be a little bit careful about local authorities in Ireland as well. They don't always have the best record. But instead of investigating how it could be done better, um, Susie simply simply uh, centralised the delivery of these services and transferred them to national level. And that really is the kind of history of local government in Ireland, is stripping away certain powers uh, and allocating them, to, uh, allocating them to central government. Just to, to kind of add in a few other small pieces as well, differences between us and, and other European countries, local authorities in Ireland don't have any capacity to make policy. They can decide where speed ramps go in your community, but that's the kind of policy decision making they actually have, the kind of policy autonomy they have. The legal way that Irish uh, local government is established is that it is a policy taker from central government. Um, and it's different to other European countries where when new social issues emerge, there is a, a vague space where local authorities have the possibility to actually stay, step into that space and begin to deliver services and eke out a balance between central and local level. That is not possible in the Republic of Ireland because of the legal way in which local authorities are set up, powers are allocated to them so they can't actually develop those uh, themselves. They have no roles in all kinds of areas like uh, policing, the courts uh, and, and, other, uh, and other particular areas. Does it matter? Well, we end up with this kind of false... Um, dichotomy which talks about efficiency versus accountability. Um, so yes, we had more accountable public services when they were being delivered by local authorities, but the local authorities were corrupt, they were inefficient, so therefore we centralise the services and we get more efficiency. Uh, but this is a false dichotomy and it's a false argument and it's not one that's accepted um, in, other, uh, in other European uh, countries where the evidence is fairly clear that big is not necessarily better, big is not necessarily more efficient uh, and there's a lot of international research actually demonstrating this in relation to, to local government. Uh, 
one kind of thing that's worth noting is our budget cycles are more pronounced because we don't have um, more devolved uh, revenue raising powers and in particular the property taxes are really worth noting uh, here. A lot of other European countries raise a great deal of money through property taxes and property taxes are attractive because property is immobile. You cannot take that wealth with you and move it to another country and most people actually tend to go to quite considerable distances to pay their property taxes. So it's controversial in Ireland, but property taxes are actually seen uh, as a very left-wing initiative in, in most other European countries and as a significant contributor um, to, to dealing with wealth in, inequality. And they have this huge advantage that they're a stable source of revenues. Um, but we haven't properly introduced our property tax. Uh, there's still too much control over the property tax at, at central level. So even though the revenues go to local government, they're very restricted in terms of, of how much they can change it, uh, whether the ceilings in terms of what they can um, uh, what they can increase in, in extra revenues. And that has consequences because it means the revenues are a much smaller proportion of, rev of, of the total revenue. And also when taxes that are more affected by the uh, business cycle are hit in a downturn, uh, there's less stability within the, uh, within the system. So if we raise more revenue from stable revenue sources, we wouldn't be as prone to these swings and roundabouts uh, that we get in our budget cycles. And the last one is, is regional development, but I think I've probably gone on a bit too, too long at this stage. But I, I don't think it probably requires much to say that we haven't really del delivered substantial regional development. We have a very imbalanced approach to economic development. Uh, and that's something that emerged fairly significantly in the later years of the Celtic Tiger, but was very much on the agenda again at the 2016 general election in terms of the recovery, how it was concentrated in one part of the government, where, or one part of the country, where the resources flow to, the relationship between kind of urban development and rural development in, in Ireland, uh, and that particular imbalance and a lot of that has to do with the way in which political voice is, is structured and where political power is, is located and who gets to actually have a say or a voice in political power. And I'll just leave you with this last one again just to reinforce the point that we are odd. We are definitely out of sync with our European, uh, European neighbours uh, and the next time you hear somebody talking about changing the electoral system or changing other parts of our, our uh, parliamentary structures, abolishing a house of parliament or something like that, why don't you ask them to start with local government in Ireland and local power, because that's where we are acutely different from our other European neighbours. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I hope you found it interesting. If you want to see more from our conferences, our presentations, or any of our research and analysis, please do check out our website, www.socialjustice.ie. And as always, if you have any ideas for future podcasts, please do feel free to email us at secretary at socialjustice.ie with your suggestions. Until next time, stay safe.